2: Hammer and Nigel. You believe these characters are weirdos. So let's rock
3: My name is Nigel, Tony Kennett in for Hammer. Tony, do you have the same sort of visceral feelings about Mike Pence that uh, Rob Kendall does? From the Kendall and Casey show. No. Because I don't.
0: I don't either. Uh, Pence was so Pence was my congressman. And also he was the guy who appointed me to West Point back in the day. I had a lot of private conversations with him and Karen and got to know them through that appointment process because he didn't just rubber stamp like candidates. He actually got to know them okay. back before he ran for governor. So that's how I knew him. So it's hard for me to come out and say like, oh Mike Pence, he's just a real terrible, horrible guy. Like they always treated me very well. Now Do I agree with all of the stuff that he's said on the campaign trail? Especially regarding Ukraine. Oh, that especially. Absolutely not. No, I don't think he should be in office at this point. I think that he should do what he originally planned to do, and I cannot verify exactly how I know that information, but he should... he originally planned to... Go retire at home, and maybe like go be president of a college somewhere, or sure. do some work with one of the conservative organizations he's got or a pro-life a organizations. Piece of property out there in Zionsville, and I thought that's what he should do. But you know, that, that, I'm not a political you know, advisor, nor have I ever been accused. of I, I don't think one. he's
3: a bad guy. I think, um, I, I mean, my family is loosely, closely, um, loosely uh, acquainted with the Pences. My my late grandfather Don Laskowski and his, uh, my you know, my grandmother Phyllis helped start. Uh um uh oh my gosh Covenant Christian High School there on the west side by oh, Chapel yeah, Rock yeah. and my my grandpa asked Mr. Pence to sit on the board I believe. Mm-hmm. Um so so they knew each other back in the day. I, you're right though. I I don't know. I I don't very good with the evangelicals. Of Used course. to be Used to be. Uh, that So, Ukraine
0: does not pull well with evangelicals. It just doesn't, because uh, financial accountability is something that a lot of the bases, I call them the Southern Baptist vote, uh, really just do not appreciate. But you know, I'm seeing here that he he has surpassed 40,000 individual donors, which is impressive. I do not think that this is proof of some big evangelical wave so, of support for him. So,
3: I, so, that brings me to what we're really talking about here, is that, yeah, 40,000 individual donors also reached the other qualification needed to participate in this upcoming debate, which includes at least polling 1% nationally which I believe he is, yeah. at right at 1%. I,
0: I love how Chris Christie isn't. Uh, Chris Christie is pulling 0% nationally, yeah, which awful. just, good job. I mean, that's really funny. I I don't really care that Mike Pence is on the debate stage. Uh, honestly, I, I saw when you sent me the rundown, I was like, this is the first thing we're hitting, and I don't know. I, I guess I'm not as it, it, reaction on this as, as Kendall is um, or as pro uh, Pence is, as, as some of the more establishment Republicans are. Well, Of
3: course, I wanted to hit this first because Trump has finally responded. Trump has hit out at Mike Pence. And that's where the news is on this for sure. (laughs) So, on True Social, I will do it in my best Donald Trump voice. Here we go. Wow. It's finally happened. Little Mike Pence, little spelled with two Ds. Oh, yeah. Little Mike Pence, a man who was about to be asked to be governor of Indiana until I came along and made him VP. Has gone to the dark side. That was the uh, the truth. Social. That was the truth that uh, Donald Trump put out about Mike Pence. He did. It's interesting. Pence has been dodging questions over the weekend about you know whether or not he would support Trump should he be the. 2024 nominee, which is a requirement if you want to participate in this upcoming debate. Right. That you have to agree to support whoever winds up being the GOP nominee. Which,
0: by the way, should be common sense. It really should be. So, I, I attended a large Twitter space last night with uh, as pro-Trumpy people on one side as Laura Loomer, um, to very really? pro-DeSantis people as like Max Nordau, and, and had this big, huge debate. And I said the same thing that I said at the last time, because it, it got into a huge cluster mess immediately. I mean, it was just a disaster near the end. People throwing names, slinging things at each other. It was really funny. Uh, but it should be very simple that either Trump or DeSantis would be a pretty decent pick for the GOP nominee in terms of rallying the Republican base. Again, I mean, both of them promised to throw a left hook towards the alphabet agencies. I mean, that's, that's good enough for me, at least on basic political level, for Pence to dance around issues. By the way, I have the same criticism for DeSantis, which we'll get to later. Dancing around issues is such a silly thing for a candidate to do. Just go out there and say it. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? If you're not competent enough to give a straight answer, you shouldn't be in office. I don't
3: I don't know if you saw it over the weekend um Well there's a bunch of people in New Hampshire, DeSantis in, in New Hampshire, uh, right. Pence was in New Hampshire and he was getting heckled by pro Trumpers who, you know, derided him for you know, calling him a tr- traitor and a sellout for not certifying the or for not, you know, making Trump, you know, the president, right? Like Thrown out his constitutional duties. And, right. you know, obviously here is here is Mike Pence's response on why you didn't uphold the Constitution, as one pro- protester shouted.
4: Our founders had just won a war against a king. And the last thing they would have done was vest unilateral authority in any one person to decide who would be the next president. I dismissed it out of hand, but Sadly, the president was surrounded by a group of crackpot lawyers that kept telling him what his itching ears wanted to hear. And while I wow. made my case to him of what I understood my oath to the Constitution to require, uh, the president ultimately uh, ultimately, you know, continued to demand uh, that I choose him over the Constitution. And so in this moment, irrespective of how this case plays out, I, I want the American people to know that I believe with all my heart by God's grace, I did my duty that day.
3: This is fired up, as I've heard old Mike Pence. Did okay. I hear a crackpot lawyer shot in there? Three important things
0: here, really important. Number one, I still despise Mike Pence's policies on Ukraine. I think he his uh, policies also on Disney and big corporations is really sleazy and cheesy. Cough, cough, Eli lily, and a lot of other big corporations. <laughs> I do not like those. I do not want to see him as the next president of the United States. However, everything he said in that frame was perfect verbatim. Everything was true. Trump Trump has always surrounded himself with people who tell him what he wants to hear. He's admitted that as well, by the way. He he oh, openly yeah, he praises. Used the word
3: mistake,
0: yeah, I believe in it. He, he, he openly interview. praises people like Gavin Newsom and, and others who at times have, have basically slapped his slapped him on the butt and told him what he wants to hear. That is Trump's number one flaw and pence is right there. Number two, I think the history history analogies are always suspect. You know, the last thing our founding fathers would have done. <laughs> right. Oh, it's stop very different than it was back then. Outside of first and second amendment arguments, kind of hard to draw all the way back there. He's still right though. No, you don't give one person unilateral authority over elections. And despite the shenanigans that were thrown in the 2020 election, no, there is no unilateral authority under the vice president to just suddenly stop everything and go, hold it. Everything exactly. is null, not a constitutional authority.
3: I wanted to do a, a hard pivot here, because uh, I thought this was just so funny and indicative of the world that we're living in, uh, in terms of political correctness and wokeness. You remember back in 2020, uh, the NFL football team, Washington Redskins, had to change their name because Redskins was so offensive and so outrageous. Yeah, despite the fact that the, the logo was designed by a, a Native American tribal member. It Continue. Was, it was a very you know pensive, stoic, strong image of an American Indian on the on the on the helmet that they were taking away on the field. <laughs> a Native American group, they call themselves Native American Guardians Association, has threatened to boycott the Washington Commanders football team if the team does not revert to its old title. Good.
0: Good. <laughs> the same with the,
3: the same with the Cleveland Guardians. Exactly. The same. I
0: am so I, I am a registered member of the Cherokee tribe. I have my, my Bureau of Indian Affairs card. I am a registered Native American according to the United States. It upsets me that all of
3: Native American imagery is gone because it's offensive to some white woman out of Nebraska. <laughs> In this letter that this group sent the Washington Commanders, uh, signed by the group's founder and president. He points out to a poll that found that 90% of Native Americans did not find the Redskins' name offensive, and they also pointed out to how other sports teams, including the Kansas City Chiefs and the Chicago Blackhawks, have kept their negative Native American-inspired names while recognizing that the names carry an obligation of honor and respect. Uh, a little bit more from this letter. This is just so great. At this moment in history, we are formally requesting... That the team revitalizes its relationship with the American Indian community by changing the name back to the Redskins, which recognizes Americans' original inhabitants, and using the team's historic name and legacy to encourage Americans to learn about, not cancel, the history of American tribes and our role in the founding of this great nation. <laughs> I mean, if you remember what happened, I mean, there was a period there, Tony, where you were taking, you know, what uh, Aunt Jemima, mm-hmm. Uncle Ben, you the, were land, taking, the Land of Lakes girl, who, uh, yes. by the way, was designed by a Native American. I mean, they were taking prominent uh, black faces off corporation corporate products. Yep and they were erasing that history and that culture oh, and yeah. the the, the Aunt Jemima family did not want that to happen no but the white suburban woman <laughs> she's upset <laughs>
0: she she's run out of pearls to clutch we love you.
3: to The Hammer and Nigel Show. I got an update from a story from yesterday, Mr. Tony Kennett, who's filling in for Hammer. Hit me. Uh, Grammy Award singer and writer Neo. Who Was that Neo who we came in there with, with Allison? He uh, went on a podcast and had the nerve. The nerve? To say <gasps> an opinion about trans youth.
0: Oh, I bet You're he's not, not
3: even a trans youth. He, he, he had the audacity to say that he doesn't think You should lean into a child and let them become a boy when they are, in fact, a girl or vice versa. The nerve of this Grammy award-winning artist. Let me replay some of this audio here.
5: If your little boy comes to you and says, Daddy, I want to be a girl. And you just let him rock with that? You just let him. Right. He's five.
1: Right. And where did he get that if from? If you
5: let this five-year-old boy decide to eat candy all day, he's going to do that. Exactly. Like, when, when did it become a good idea to let a five-year-old, let a six-year-old, let a 12-year-old make a life-changing decision for theyself? Right. When did that happen? Right. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. I, I, I don't get that. How
0: outrageous. Let the record show that's literally been my illustration for this, as to kids don't necessarily make good decisions because they (laughs) really mean them. I've said this for ages. Allison knows this. I have said for ages that you don't let, if a kid wants brownies for dinner, you don't just give them brownies for dinner. That's not how nutrition works. So, first of all, Neo has great taste in analogies, so that's number one. Number two, that's it? That's he didn't even say, like, trans kids aren't real. Oh, wait,
3: we're not done. Hold on. There is more controversial content here from this podcast he's doing with some comedian named Jess Hilarious. Go ahead.
1: And to medicate these young kids that are five, six, growing up and knowing that it affects their brain, it affects their organs, it makes them sick, but they're not allowed to do drugs, they're not allowed to do alcohol, right. but we can medicate he them He can't
3: up. drive a car yet, but he can decide his set. <laughs> I mean, can you believe it? A Grammy Award winning Hollywood uh, socialite Really, I mean, you know, the highest of the highs when we're talking in terms of the food chain of celebrities and artists. So the first thing we got to do, of course, is cancel the guy. Well, there's been some backlash. Right,
0: so we got got to cancel them and backlash only. The problem is that these days, like when you try to cancel, let's say like a Dave Chappelle or an individual in pop culture, they only get more popular because, again, (laughs) when your counterculture is the mainstream, suddenly the cool traditional ideas become not only
3: the rebel thing to do, but they're also fulfilling. Tell me about the canceling. Well, I mean, the social media backlash was just... I mean, you boycott Neo. I can hear take the teenagers off, typing on their phones. Take from here. him off Spotify. Get him off iTunes. And people you, are still using iTunes. And man, and, and yeah, I, I use iTunes. Get him I, off I, of the MySpace <laughs> and take him off of the Sunday paper. Dang it! So what Neo did was, unfortunately, he had to walk back his comments. And uh, er, no, he's not apologizing at all.
5: Somebody asked my opinion on this matter, and this is how I feel. I will never be okay with allowing a child to make a decision that detrimental
0: to their life.
3: Have we just become the world's biggest neo-fans? I mean, dude, first of all,
0: he's raising seven kids, which honestly, (laughs) hey, you out there, you man who's listening, who may be a young dad like I am, have a lot of kids. Do it. The world needs good raised
3: kids, well-raised kids. I mean, he's in his 40s and has got seven kids. Good. Good. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Wow. I, you know, I mean, that, I mean, that's Nick awesome. Cannon, I think Nick Cannon has like 10 kids.
0: Have a lot of kids. Yeah, have a great raise marriage the and right raise, raise a family. So there's that. Number two, again, just coming out and saying this is what I feel No, And the reason that this is important, because this was not, for the first few minutes, the response that was given. So I don't know if you saw this, Nigel, but on Twitter, his publicist, from his publicist's IP address, from his publicist's house. And I have to say all of those three things, because they have been specified and confirmed. Sent out a tweet saying that he did walk back those comments and he he did apologize and he did say sorry. Yeah,
3: okay, that's right. There was in the beginning of that clip, he mentioned something about no, this uh, this is not coming from Twitter. This is not coming from any PR notes, and I didn't know what he was talking about. Yeah, You're so, kidding
0: me. So Shia from libs of TikTok, she she sat, shot me a DM and brought me over to this. It's like after he had said this, immediately he walked things back and oh, he was scared and terrified. And it's like I don't know because I did know a little bit about him at that point. Not a ton. His his music style is not like. What I, I played him a lot when I
3: worked at Radio Now, 93 point, when, this, when the signal was Radio Now back in the early
0: 2000s. Gotcha. So, I mean, it, at the end of the day, my, my opinion on this is I love watching people just smack like publicists who try to do their yeah. job for them. If you can't yeah. hire someone who can mimic your like opinions and what you're supposed to be out there and you're supposed to be doing, <clears throat> Jefferson Shreve, maybe perhaps, <laughs> you know, hire better people. Good on him. That
3: That's, that's what a man should be right now. Meanwhile in martinsville in vigo county the school districts of martinsville and vigo county have been ordered by the u.s district court for the southern district of indiana to allow trans students to use the bathroom coinciding with the gender they identify with. So, when your kids go back to school, they could be going to the bathroom with members of the opposite sex. Oh, not just the bathroom. According to the Indiana Department
0: of Education regulation, bathrooms and locker rooms are classified as the same room under both architectural and building structural code, which means that you could indeed have uh, kids of the opposite sex changing with your kids in the locker room. And you may say, why does does that matter? Why, why is that a problem? Why are you so bigoted? You why do you me? care? Why? Because in Loudoun County, there were two rapes that happened yeah. back to back after a boy was changing in a female locker room, uh, raped a student. And they allegedly tried to cover it up as yep. well. And then they let the boy go, put him in a different school until they it figured again. out, or a different building, excuse me, until
3: they figured out what was going on. And he did it again. People, I, I can't believe this is still going on. I, is, uh, it for, is, is it school district? Is it like this in all of Indiana or just, you know what I mean? Like, are, are these policies It is the this same? way
0: for the district court of Southern, or for the Southern District of Indiana. So, for that entire district's purview, that is technically the ruling right now. Wow. Again, the problem is, is that this is also discordant because up until 15 minutes ago, it was common sense that if you think that you're a girl and you are not, then you have a kind of mental issue that needs addressing by a counselor. Which is real. Gender yes. Dis- it, d-
3: d- and people dysphoria? suffer
0: from it. Just like body dysmorphia is real, just like schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is real, you don't tell a person who has schizophrenia. You can also hear the toaster talking. You don't. You give them the psychiatric help that they need. You take it seriously. You don't lean into it because, guess what? Voices in your head, they don't say sane and rational things. They don't. If you have a mental illness, that's not how that works. So I, I pray to God that there isn't something in Martinsville or other schools within the purview of this U.S. district court in, in which a student with a mental
3: illness does something rash. And I'm sure there are counselors and administrators that want to hide the fact that the student maybe you know wants to use different pronouns right i mean i mean if you're allowing kids in schools to use separate you know the bathrooms boys to use girls bathrooms girls to use boys bathrooms i would assume there's also a policy in place tony that that says that yeah we don't have to tell the the parents about this? So, Indiana law says that you do. So, there's okay, one thing... Okay, so that between, just happened, right? Yes. So, that okay. is, as a result of this
0: year, a school does have to notify uh, parents uh, in the event that their child decides to start going by a, a different gender, things like that. Uh, but letting people know something, and the law still being completely different, you, again, this is why it's important for you to know who's on your school board and what they believe. And this is why school board elections in the state of Indiana should be partisan. You need to know who's on the board, otherwise you get situations like... South Madison, in which your yeah. school board members are basically saying, well, we know she did, the Kathy McCord did nothing wrong, but we're going to fire her anyway. So, that's why you need to know what's going on, folks. You're listening to The Hammer
3: and Nigel Show. You're
4: listening to The Hammer and
3: Nigel Show. All around the world. Yeah, my name's Nigel. Tony Kennett is filling in for Hammer. Tony has a background in education, right? Used to work for uh, the uh, IPS. IPS and Lawrence system. North and... Knightstown and other fantastic Indiana schools. STEM administrator. Yeah. Um, I got to uh, wrangle all the science teachers and whatnot. Was unceremoniously uh, relieved of his duties at IPS when he revealed that the critical race theory was indeed being taught. Yeah, they don't I like it, it th- when you cite your sources. That was the
0: fun part. They couldn't say, oh, you're wrong. They, they were just like, well, he took some things out of context, and then I provided the context, and the next day they revoked my access to the Google Drive. <laughs> Testified
3: in front of the state legislature, I believe, at Point about this.
0: That's, uh, yeah, that's
3: right. Uh, Senator Kidora's Worst Nightmare as a a genuine pleasure. That was. That that was a takedown like I've never seen when you were up there on the on the I don't if you call it the stand or whatever and he was quizzing you about CRT and how it's not really you know you can't define it and oh,
0: I mean I didn't mind was, I didn't
3: I didn't mind that part because I you know I've studied it for eight years or
0: had at that point studied it for about seven or eight years and, and that you know that's whatever that's our personal opinion but then when he started trying to accuse me of being like anti-Muslim and also anti-black <laughs> that was when I drew yeah. the line uh, and I started, started pointing it, out right. all of the uh, you know fundamental Muslim communities that don't like that kind of garbage. He didn't, he didn't appreciate it. So
3: I'm just trying to give a little bit of your background. You're now an investigative reporter for the Daily Signal and you had a new piece out about the movie Sound of Freedom, which was produced by a predominantly conservative, um, uh, outfit. I think Angel Productions. Angel Studios. Angel yep. Studios. They, they're the ones who make
0: uh, The the Chosen, that a documentary uh, about the life of Christ, yes. a couple other really interesting
3: things. It did. I mean, it's doing extremely, or at least it did extremely well at the box office. It's, it's still For- pulling like serious, serious numbers. Well, I mean, the second week it was out, it beat Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Indiana Jones, of course, sold more, you know, ticket for ticket, Indiana Jones has sold more. But that week, it outperformed Indiana Jones. By the way, Indiana Jones costs like $500 million to make, and they've only made two or three hundred million. I have, I mean, I don't know how those numbers exactly right, but you understand what I'm saying. Well, it's become a very common thing with a lot of Hollywood movies. But yeah, Angel Studios creates a lot
0: of really decent looking films. You don't see a lot of studios that are like smaller studios
3: that put that much effort into it. Right. And even more, you don't really see conservative uh, uh, aimed. You know, know, studios aimed at conservatives making good movies. Does that make sense? Like they don't know how to do it. They really haven't gotten a
0: concept yet. Well, there there was kind of an idea that like Christian media, because it's less less conservative, more like Christian based media. Yes. uh, Was just struggled for a long time because just people thought, well, as long as we're making the media, it's good enough. And uh, no, Angel Studios was founded on the idea that you could create really high quality Christian content, and I, my wife and I really like the shows, and I think that it's it's very well done. What,
3: what's it on? What platform is it on?
0: Uh, it's on it their on? own platform, but I think you can watch it on Prime Video. I, I think Disney like declined to host it. There, there are well, some course. other places that you can look at it. It was pay for play, uh, but so many people have bought tickets for others, like in advance, that so other people could watch it. That at this point. It's basically just free to watch.
3: So your article, The Daily Signal, I really just still have not been able to understand why progressive outlets like Rolling Stone and NPR and, you know, Variety have all kind of sort of slammed this movie as some sort of right wing conspiracy. Sound of Freedom is about child trafficking. Yeah, it's a Jim Caviezel is the star, and it's based upon a true story. Right,
0: Right? it's it's just like a a docudrama about the creation of this uh, sex trafficking rescue organization called Operation Underground Railroad, and just kind of going through that and the many different trials and things that are associated with that. And really, the, the point of the movie is to increase the average person's awareness of the horrible evil, very prevalent epidemic practice of child sex trafficking. And so you... Wrote, so tell me about the article. So the article points out that all of these media organizations were so quick to jump all over yeah. sound free, it's a white ring, how could well, sex trafficking doesn't Cueing even on. happen that much, it's a it's a dad brainworm. Rolling Stone called it, uh, because I guess, you know, dads wanting to protect their daughters, that's a brain worm, <laughs> yeah, okay, uh, and then it, it turned out, less than a month later, the FBI announced, in collaboration with a ton of different state governments, Operation Cross Country, which is, I think, the eighth or ninth iteration of a massive child Child sex trafficking ring bust. They arrested like over 150 suspects.
3: They rescued a couple of FBI agents. Died, I believe. Yep. and, as, as a part of uh, uh, this mission.
0: Yep, same with uh, some Tennessee state troopers, some Nevada state troopers as well, a <laughs> couple of border agents also. I mean, they really put in a lot, and and some of the low-level agents, some of the, your ground dudes in the FBI who, who regularly put their lives on the line to stop this stuff, that's the thing that's, that's worth preserving, and they... Had this major bust right after all of these organizations, like NPR, had said, "Oh, it's just this big right-wing conspiracy. Child sex trafficking is not all that prevalent." Which is funny because NPR has literally documented hundreds and hundreds of of suspects arrested in child trafficking charges over the last decade. And strangely, none of these journalistic organizations mentioned like the statistics that say that hundreds of millions of children a year around the globe are are caught in this muck and mire of sex trafficking. And you would think that if you were reporting on this movie, you would mention what it is they're talking about. Because when they they do an abortion movie review, they talk about how wonderful it is, and they bring in all the statistics, (laughs) and they're like, oh, this is so important for women. Who chooses get an abortion? But when they want to slam a movie that resonates with conservatives or Christians or yes. heck, just people with kids, absolutely, all of a sudden, no, it's a, it's a conspiracy because if, if conservatives care about it, it must be worthless. Like why? It's not political. Sex trafficking is not a political issue. Have you seen the movie? Because I've not
3: seen the movie, but oh, I've yeah. heard it's. You, you did see it? Oh yeah, yeah. I,
4: I, I heard. I, it. I
3: actually do my my
0: research yeah,
4: before no, I, I write I, my understand. articles. Yeah,
3: <laughs> and uh, I. I haven't seen it. I heard that it's tough to watch, but it it's uplifting, um, towards the end. Yeah, um, it, it leaves I you with
0: a sense he... of it leaves you with a sense of of hope at the end that there is a way to fight this and the the lives that are rescued uh, matter. And by the way, uh, unlike NPR, Fox News actually brought on a survivor of sex trafficking to ask what she thought of the movie. Really, she said it's fantastic. It's incredibly important that we increase
3: awareness about these, this. With these human traffickers or child traffickers more specifically who are these kids that are disappearing is it i mean like could it potentially be you know somebody's daughter just walking down the sidewalk in a neighborhood getting snatched off the street or is it is it is it migrants that are crossing illegally um, with with well, kids that may or not be there. It's it's not you know? just
0: it's uh, trafficking's not just one facet like of, of people that, that do one specific thing. I mean, there's an entire network of individuals who target people based on their social browsing habits, people who look vulnerable in, in various different sure. ways, people that are advertising themselves on social media, you know, those kinds of like kind of social media skimmers and fishers are a huge part of basically finding the children to target. That's why there's such a large advisement now is to keep your kids on off of social media entirely. Like, our, our kid is not on social media at all. I think the back of their head is once.
3: Other than that, nope, because I don't want them to be targeted. Uh, and, and meanwhile, these people are out there. These perverts are out there, and they could be right living next to you, that right on your nose. They could be teaching you at college, like, say, a former Butler University professor just took a plea deal after he admitted to possessing child porn. He's a professor of philosophy over there, butler, Tiberiu. Papa is his name, going to serve eight years, uh, originally originally arrested in January last year. Police, I, I, I think it's really, I don't want to say easy for police to detect who's going what, what websites and who's downloading what, but like police were able to notice when his Butler University email linked him. It was used to upload 24 files that were, you know, suspected to be uh, child porn, and they they looked so, so that that gave a ping
0: or something like that. So first of all, it's important to note that like the vast majority of sites that claim to offer child pornography are honeypots. A honeypot is a term for a uh, federal uh, operation that's trying to lure people into engaging with them, like sure. the undercover drug dealer thing, something like that. Sure, uh, Fang Fang was a honeypot, right? <laughs> <laughs> Eric Swalwell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So th- this kind of interesting when you when you look at this, yes, we do know who a lot of uh, potential child pornographers and things like that are. My question that I continually ask is, why would you ever offer a plea deal to a child uh, pornographist? That, yeah. Why would you offer a plea deal? That scum doesn't deserve a plea deal. I, wh- what? I, I don't understand why Like this is a clear case of an individual who was clearly illustrated that given the circumstances, they would be willing to abuse children. And yet... Oh, uh, here's here's a plea deal and kind of let you off the hook on that. It. It's ridiculous. That that man should be locked up for life, if not an
3: alternative solution. It's I wanted, disgusting. We're to play some audio here real quick before we hit a break. Uh, Riley Gaines, uh, you know NCAA Division One uh, champion swimmer, who lost to Leah Thomas, a man. Who is a biological male that, that swam in college. He was like 147th and, and yeah, he was, losing. He was a horrible, yeah, as a horrible male swimmer. Male swimmer but, but and then switches and all of a sudden pull in number one. So, they, so Riley Gaines, um, she's been an outspoken critic of this ever since that happened. And she's been very visible um she's uh so she was in Texas they were spat on and attacked by protesters at a bill signing in Texas the bill called Save Women's Sports Act which protects female uh, collegiate athletes Texas governor Greg Abbott was joined by Riley Gaines for it was kind of a ceremonial signing the bill was already uh, Law in June. Hmm. And they were at the Texas Women's Hall of Fame in Denton. And, but they were met with a bunch of protesters, hit, spat on. Here's a little bit of that audio.
1: Lives Matter! Lives matter.
3: Man, man, man. Britney, ma- so they sound like pretty reasonable
0: people, don't you think? <laughs> Won't somebody please think of the penis? Please, won't someone please think of the penis, the guy who is obliterating women in sports and also like in in sports like wrestling and whatnot, injuring women yeah. they are tennis, wrestling against. Tennis, tennis yeah. just had the same thing happen. And, it, and it's, again, biological common sense. Everyone knows. And yet, I, I point again to the people who are the activists in this kind of a situation. Do you really think that you are making yourselves look good and that you are advocating that you are mentally stable and should be trusted in in terms of political policy? Because you're not. When you're out there screeching and spitting and screaming and attacking people, you're you're, you're just not convincing anybody. I'm sorry. It's the Hammer and Nigel show.
3: You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd, one by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Booze, dude. So funny this thing with Bud Light is still going on. You know, oh, I love the, it. The, 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 the transgender Bud Light influencer Dylan Mulvaney, who cosplays as a little girl, um, cost Anheuser Busch twenty-seven billion dollars. Play stupid games, win stupid <laughs> in prizes. Value. Uh, now Anheuser Busch used to be owned by Americans. The Bush, the Bushes, right? Yep. I think they sold to InBev, a corporate, you know, this big conglomerate, this global conglomerate, for like fifty-two billion dollars. So it's an InBev company now. But former owner Billy Bush, here he is. We haven't heard much from the previous owners of Anheuser Busch. Here's Billy Bush saying that Bud Light is no longer America's beer because, and that is, and his father and grandfather would be rolling over in their graves.
0: I think. My family, my ancestors would have rolling over in their grave. They were very patriotic. They loved this country and what it stood for. Um, they believed that transgender, um, gays, th- that sort of thing was all a very personal issue. Um, they love this country because it is a free country and people are allowed to do what they want. But it was never meant to be on a beer can and never meant to be pushed in people's faces. So they would have um they, they they would have never marketed their brands that way. As you know, A- AB was one of the greatest marketers, and the last thing they would have done was to get as controversial as they did, um, as InBev has with uh, Dylan Mulvaney
3: advertising. So we got about 30 seconds left here, Tony. Um, I- I, I still maintain that some of this was about Dylan Mulvaney, but it was mostly about this marketing genius, this woman Heinerscheid. Heinerscheid that went on a podcast and said, "We our, our customer base sucks. We got to get rid of the fratty culture. Yeah, we need to be more diverse." So I, I think
0: that was a big part of this. I did a whole reel for the Daily Signal about this, and you should definitely go watch it over on you know Instagram or YouTube or, or Twitter wherever. And uh, I actually bring up uh, some of the old marketing strategies that Anheuser Busch used to have. And again, it was marketed towards the average working class American man who yeah. worked in a factory, got home, and, and so therefore, you based your marketing towards that guy. Duh! It's who you want to attract. And the minute you throw out that marketing group, you don't get a new marketing group just because you're a big group of people. That's stupid. <laughs> and any time that you throw away your base, uh,
3: you're screwing yourselves over. All right, we'll be right back. Top stories next, The Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! My name is Nigel, Tony Kennett, investigative reporter for The Daily Signal, in for Jason Hammer. just been informed that uh, Attorney General Todd Rikita will be live in the studio around 4.30 to talk about what we uh, heard at the top of the hour from Harrison Silcox, this uh, new um, version of the Parents' Bill of Rights. That's right. It's going to be all kinds of fun. I mean, honestly, I love watching the left break into tears when he releases this. (laughs) Oh, man, every time... Rakita's on our show. I, I can <laughs> we, already we hear... I'm,
0: oh, man. The Indiana ACLU, I'm sure, is firing up their Twitter right now. Go ahead and write it down. Uh, Indiana ACLU is about to tweet. We Same get, with Planned Parenthood, we Indiana. We get so
3: many trolls and so many haters, which means he's obviously doing something right. And I like told him, I go, man, we get so much action. We need to have this guy on every week because he's getting us a lot of... I actually,
0: I actually get a little bit jealous uh, because, see, normally I'm the one who gets all of the hate yeah, from the do. Indianapolis trolls, <laughs> and so when someone comes in and, and they hate someone more than me for a
3: few minutes, I, I mean, it's like <laughs> you, you don't knock the king off of the hill, you know? Well, I hope the Attorney General doesn't mind that I just cracked my first uh, beer. I, well, I, I was expecting to do this over the phone and not in person, so that'll be a little bit after 4:30 that he's here talking about that, Ron DeSantis. Switching out campaign managers. He's uh, kind of revamped his campaign a little bit. What do you think? What does this say? Does this mean anything to you, Tony Kimmett? So uh, I,
0: I always give props to a campaign that's willing to switch it up halfway through and someone realizes that it ain't working. I, I do. I, I appreciate when someone is like, look, what we've done is not working. It's actually trying to ta- to try something different. So You might say that a certain campaign in Indianapolis, like Jefferson Shreve, maybe he should switch up his campaign and try something different, but instead, he's going to just lose the election and try really hard at, at doing so. In the meantime, in the meantime, looking at DeSantis' campaign, I mean, so far he's he's kind of kind of muddled around some issues regarding Trump. He's kind of danced around some certain issues. He hasn't really taken off the gloves in the way that he had with like the Florida media when they would ask him questions and he would really throw some punches. It looks like he might be ready to do so now. Played
3: some audio from his town hall in New Hampshire over the weekend. Really, really went after Trump yesterday. I, I think he needs to do more media. I think he needs to do smaller events where he can shake hands with people. I mean, anybody can hold a giant rally. He, yeah, of course he attracts large crowds. But I, I think he needs to kind of bring it in a little bit. You know what I mean? Get to know, you know, shake some hands, kiss some babies, and then really, there's a way to go after Trump without doing it in a childish manner. And and again, we played some of that audio yesterday. Um, of him going after Trump. Uh, here are a few more clips. He did an interview. I think it was Meet the Press or Today Show or something like that recently. Yeah, right. And this is something you talked about earlier. Tried to dance around the question. I hate that. Did Donald Trump lose the election?
6: yes or no did donald trump lose the 2020 election whoever puts their hand on the bible on january 20th every four years uh is the winner okay but respectfully (laughs) you did not clearly answer that question and if you can't give a yes or no on whether or not trump lost then how can? of course no of of course he lost Uh, trump lost the 2020 election of course uh, joe biden's the president
0: OK, so here's a pro tip for Pence, for DeSantis, for and, and anyone out there. And by the way, he's going to qualify his remarks. I got
3: another clip.
0: Uh, does, he, but, does he really? Because I've, I've heard the first part. I, after that, yeah. I'm going to be honest. I clicked pause and then I closed the tab. <laughs> because the qualifications is, after you've been pushed, after you've been cornered into finally addressing something, after you've finally been backed into a corner, then the comma comes out, the qualifications come out, and no one's listening to the qualifications. If the first time you're asked something, you answer it honestly, then... Then people are listening to the qualifications. If he or Pence, because remember, Pence was like really quiet and awkward for months after the whole Trump situation. If he would have come out and said, Donald, I I appreciate you working for you and all this stuff during the last four years. I didn't have the power to do that. Stop it. I would have had a lot more respect for what it is. I don't like quiet pussyfooting. You don't do anything for anybody when you do that. And DeSantis is guilty of that here. And I like DeSantis. I do, too. But like you come out and you're like, well, no, he didn't win the 2020 election. Trump lost the 2020 election because instead of making the 2020 election about Biden, he made it about himself.
3: I like where... But, but listen, okay, tell me what you think of this next clip. He's kind of qualifying his remarks because did Trump lose the election is the question, yes or no. You could say yes, but... Look, there were some awfully fishy
0: things going on. That's right. There were indeed some shenanigans. The question is, was it enough to push one over the other? The fact of the matter is, we do not know. I've seen a lot of people come out and push a lot of things. There have been a lot of court cases that were lost. And the reason that it is important for us to qualify these things is because I am still, to this day, waiting for the Trump campaign to tell me if the last election was stolen from them, how, on God's green earth, are they going to stop the steal in this election? Absolutely. How? Give me, and that's all I want. Give me the answer so that I, because that is unknown information on whether in the primary I vote
3: for Trump or DeSantis. Here's a little bit more from DeSantis on whether or not Trump. Uh, Lost to the election.
6: And I've said this from the very beginning. Uh, when they changed the rules for COVID, I think that was wrong. I think some of those changes run constitutional. When they do mass mail ballots, I think that's wrong. I think ballot harvesting is wrong. I think the Zuckerbucks were wrong. I think the fact that the FBI was working with Facebook and these other uh, tech companies to censor the Hunter Biden story uh, was wrong. And so I don't think it was the perfect election. I remember after a lot of the media was saying this is the most secure election in history. How could it be the most secure with those millions of mail ballots going
3: on? I don't have any problem with anything he said there. And by the way, all of the people
0: who are attacking DeSantis and saying that he's always part of the regime and part of the establishment, yes. and part of the blah blah, blah the, the regime and the establishment would never, ever say that about the 2020 election. Go go to some of the establishment, Indiana GOP dudes who are currently in the Indiana GOP and ask them those questions. And they will say all of those things that DeSantis just listed are conspiracy theories. Your average Republican, who's not necessarily a MAGA Republican, has problems with the 2020 election election. But sitting here and talking about the 2020 election without any plan to stop the steal this time around is stupid. It's going to lose the next election. We're going to be stuck with four more years of whoever's holding Biden's
3: puppet strings. And listen to where DeSantis takes this in this third clip, actually blaming Trump for the election issues. Listen,
6: here's the issue that I think is important for Republican voters to think about. Why did we have all those mail votes because of Trump turned the government over to Fauci. They embraced lockdowns. They did the CARES Act, which funded mail-in ballots across the country. Donald Trump signed that bill that funded the mail ballots that all the Republicans have been so concerned about. Uh, And also with the censorship of the Hunter Biden, that was Donald Trump's FBI (laughs) that was working with that. He didn't have control over his own government.
0: How about that
3: strategy?
0: So I actually heard So first of all, <laughs> wow. If you are going to So there's a very interesting dynamic in the beginning that we were going to answer in this GOP primary, which is are are the candidates talking about Biden going to be a better primary candidate, or are the candidates going after the king going to be a better candidate? And the answer so far, other than Chris Christie, because no one likes Chris Christie, is that it actually is more effective to swing at the king than it is to go after Joe Biden in the primary. Which, by the way, I was wrong. I thought that it would be best to say, Biden's trash, and here's where we need to go. That didn't work the Santa's strategy on that field, that's why they're rebooting the campaign. I personally don't think that going after Trump for COVID is the best move. I would hit Trump on one thing and one thing only. All of the people you picked to lead the alphabet agencies in your cabinet sucked. They sucked. And he admits Consistently. It. He does. Who are you picking for the next time? Well, I don't know. It's whoever compliments me the most. Because that's always what Trump does. That's his weakest point. Foreign policy? Awesome. Economic initiatives? Flawless. Uh, the, the way that he treats Our troops, stellar. The way that he picked people, low tier dumpster garbage. And like the stealing the election thing, I don't see any strategy for him to pick the right people this time.
3: It
5: depends upon what the meaning of the word is.
3: Is this anything?
5: All right, let's rock and
0: roll. Rock and Tony
3: Kennett's filling in for Hammer. I'm Nigel. You know how to play Is This Anything, right? It's my favorite segment. Look forward to it every time I guess host. Okay, I'll give you a couple of stories. You just tell me if they're anything or not. First, an American Airlines pilot is getting some, shall we say, attention after going on a tirade about flight etiquette and people being selfish and rude. Here's a quick clip from the speech that he made over the loudspeaker.
5: Remember, the flight attendants are primarily here for your safety after that. They're here to make the flight more enjoyable. They're going to take care of you guys, but you will listen to what they have to say because they represent my will in the cockpit or in the cabin. People should treat people the way you want to be treated. But I have to say it every single flight because people don't. They're selfish and rude. Don't lean on other people. Don't fall asleep on other people. Don't pass out on other people or drool on them unless you've talked about it. And they have a weather-resistant jacket. Little cedars, I know it stinks to be in the middle. Raise your hand. All right, nobody's listening. Fine. Thank <laughs> you. You own both armrests. That is my gift to you. Welcome on board our
3: flight. American Airlines pilot telling their customers to cut the crap. Is this anything? First of all, I fly American Airlines for this reason.
0: Number two, I actually heard this one the other day on Instagram. Number three, this is the best thing a pilot has ever said. Yes, if you are a pilot, you are king. You are captain while you are flying. Let's go. Number two, if you are in the middle, like you're not on the aisle or in the window, you do own both armrests. Brian, Regan, Jerry Sanders. <laughs> Seinfeld. Several great comedians have made this point. You're already in a sucky position. Also, you should be lining up when you get out of the plane. People in the front get their bags and go on the way back to the plane. That's why the seats at the back of the plane are cheaper, because it takes longer to get off the plane. Mm-hmm. These are basic rules of etiquette. The fact that the pilot has to come over and say this
3: is, is sad enough. That was my angle, yeah. The, the, just actually having to you know get on the intercom and say, hey... Please don't be selfish and rude. is really it's, it says something about the society we're living in. I mean, that's the that's the funny that's the funny thing here is because you know you have all these people who get
0: out there and complain. I you know when you read the Instagram comments when you see a reel that's like a video of this going on, and it's someone saying, "Well, where does he get off telling people how to live their lives?" <laughs> when you violate social norms. You get pushed back. That's why they're called social norms, because the social class around you reacts based on how you act. If you leave your cart in the middle of the parking lot next to your vehicle, perhaps the people around you may not react so kindly to it. When you blow through a stop sign, people don't tend to like it. You may get some fun hand gestures. Social norms are here for a reason. They uphold society.
3: Okay, so this leads us to our next story. This, you know, speaking of airplanes and flights and bad behavior, we have an update. We have unmasked the woman behind that viral airplane meltdown. The viral. Remember this. Remember this moment on a plane a few months ago.
1: I'm telling you, I'm getting the off, and there's a reason why I'm getting the off, and everyone can either believe it or they cannot believe it. I don't give two f's, but I am telling you right now. That mother back there is not real. And you can sit on this plane and you can die with them or not. I'm not going
3: to. <laughs> do you remember that moment, I right? I sure, I mean, I do. People I don't... were obsessed with this story. Who is this woman? Why, who was she pointing at that wasn't real? A million memes have come out about this. We have finally unmasked the woman. She's been identified as Tiffany Gomez, a 38-year-old marketing executive from Dallas. The outburst occurred due, apparently, to an argument with her traveling relatives. According to police reports, she accused them of stealing her AirPods. Is this anything? I'm gonna be honest here. No, no, it's not. I don't know why this
0: story is is getting as much traction as it is. I guess the whole lizard AI Matrix people who say that you know there are a bunch of androids walking around that they really like that kind of a thing. I'm more partial to when Phoebe Buffay in in Friends and Rachel uh, freaked out about there being a problem with the phalange so she could get off the plane in the last episode and, and go finally be with Ross. That's my favorite airport airplane get-off-the-plane story. Uh, second to Harrison Ford's get-off-my-plane. Right.
3: Here's the thing that I think everybody needs to know about this story is that that, that nobody could find out who this woman I mean, this thing went viral. And everybody wanted to know what the backstory was. Everybody wanted to know who this woman was, and for months, nobody could find her. <sighs> Do you think... If she happened to have been dropping racial slurs or being belligerent towards a trans person, CNN would have had this information just like that. Wait, we, 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 are, she, were people alleging that she made racial no, slurs no. and trans what slurs? No, no. What I'm saying I is because she didn't, nobody really was – if she would have – If she would have, we would have known this woman's identity immediately. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. I I mean, again, this is why I think that the whole thing is like, is this
0: anything? My answer is no, because just because someone has an emotional episode on a plane doesn't mean that like I deserve to know like who her identity is. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, I've seen a lot of people uh, that have had their lives expelled, like they're having some kind of a mental breakdown. It happens in public
3: and it gets recorded. And then forever, they're known as the perfect who had that. That is the worst side of social media. I think this is what happens when you mix a little bit of Xanax before you get on the flight to get rid of those pre-flight jitters and then slam a couple of chardonnays once you're on the plane. You could go from zero to crazy just like that if you're not careful. All right, one more here. (laughs) (laughs) Authorities in South Carolina, this is, I've never seen this before. Oh. Uh, They're warning people that they're seeing a rise in scammers putting fake QR codes at parking lots. Oh, yeah. That will then pipe the payment directly into their bank accounts. Here is a tourist giving, uh, giving his two cents on the scam.
4: You see one more QR code. You assume somebody associated with the parking lot did it. You instinctively just were sort to of trust it. And if you want to just do it and kind of pay yeah. as you're
0: walking to wherever it is you go, uh, yeah, I can see this being something people fall for pretty easily. We're so used to the self service, like you go into a restaurant and yep. scan this for your menu. You know, scan the QR code to get to the site and all that. We're trying to reduce printing stuff out, so it makes a lot of sense. this anything oh yeah absolutely this is the next wave of of scamming and by the way this is happening in the same way with those fake credit card like plastic inserts that they put over gas pumps and ATMs and over the keypads and some uh, filling stations and convenience stores where if you get your card up close to it it scans and then it has your information make sure if something looks kind of weird and loose if something looks a little too thick that it shouldn't be there give it a jiggle see if it'll pull off you're not going to catch covid cooties from the ATM (laughs) thing if you give it what do you want your identity stolen? It's so easy to scam people this way. Check before you click. Don't trust emails. Don't trust texts. Don't trust public QR codes. Come on. It's The Hammer and Nigel Show.
3: You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Hello, my name is Nigel. Tony Kennett is here filling in for Hammer. Hammer. Also joining us live in studio, Indiana Attorney General Todd Rakita, who is taking a sip of a uh, Miller Lite that I just uh, procured <laughs> from our beer fridge back there.
4: Absolutely. Thank you for that. And, well,
3: uh, you came bearing gifts for me and Tony. That is and right. What what, what
4: what do you got over there? I figured your hand if hand your there? name was Tony, you'd like cigars automatically. <laughs> that is
3: true. I'm a,
0: I'm a more yeah. of a newcomer to, to cigars, uh, but I always appreciate it. It smells fantastic, dude. I'm so excited. What is this? What this am I...
4: is a Rocky Patel. Okay. Yeah. Burn. uh yeah they well he owns a uh, he owns the place over yeah. there but uh, you know he owns a bunch of cigars too so well thank you yeah can't yeah. wait to smoke this and for the record this is my first Beer of the day, uh, number one. <laughs> Don't to lie to me.
3: What time is your day as an official government employee? Over four thirty. Well, the
4: electeds it never ends, but we'll call it four thirty <laughs> okay, today. What well, kind we'll of beer does the Indiana taxpayer pay for? <laughs> are
3: there? Can you confirm or deny that there are certain maybe members of the legislature or members that have uh, wet bars in their offices? Uh, high
4: uh, which, um, <laughs> is that a confirm or nor deny? I'm gonna neither. Well, since they're my client. <laughs> uh I won't confirm neither confirm okay. nor deny that, but I will say that there it was there is one, not from this area. I haven't seen it, but I was told he or she <laughs> nice.
3: <laughs> nice cover ten yeah. out of ten
4: uh, found a uh, airline cart um, okay. You know, that service cart? Sure. You know, on the internet somewhere, and, and bought one of those and turned <laughs> that into a service station. That's fantastic. We <laughs> so, need that for here. They do have personalities.
3: All right. So, I saw you on Facebook earlier um, with a big announcement having to do with your parents' bill of rights. You've added another volume. This all started, I believe, um, in Well, take us back to June of 2021. Right.
4: And and what exactly is the parents' so, bill of rights? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Tony can hopefully back me up on this, or, or give me a different perspective if he has it. But it goes back to my time in Congress when I served the state on the kindergarten through twelfth grade education committee. I was chair, and and I so that brought me to hundreds of different schools. Really, not just in Indiana, but across the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, And certainly school board meetings. And it put me on 17 uh, tribal community reservations where I went to their schools. And through all of this, um, you you know, all that time, what I saw was really like a a dearth of of, of parent involvement. Right. And all of a sudden, so fast forward to 2020, 2021, coming out of COVID, and all of a sudden, these parents, Start, I start showing up at school board meetings. There was an awakening, yeah, and, and you know there were a lot of clutching of the pearls and shrieking and all that. And I was like, "This is wonderful," because if you're going to run a free republic, you got to be involved in raising your kids and keeping your your people, your elected officials accountable, including me. And so when I saw them showing up, I was I was pleasantly surprised and gratified and then horrified at the same time when they were being hauled out of those school board meetings by their hands and feet by police labeled domestic terrorists. Ridiculous. Yeah. And so we you know by the way we sued Mayor Garland over that but in all that we came up with this document the parents bill of rights largely because no one else would was doing it or wanted to do it. It's now hundred and eight pages. It has hundred and fifty one questions. <laughs> it covers all the things and it's meant to be a tool for parents because you got to think of this guys you're not intimidated to interact with your government obviously no. oh, right <laughs> but a lot of parents may not this might be their t- first time face to face. Except for maybe their postman or something, with their government. So we, I wanted them going in with confidence, armed with knowledge, and that's what this book does. And so we've had four installments now. We think this is going to be the last one covering religious liberty. Other volumes uh, that we add to have covered medical uh, rights and. You know, basic rights of, of parents and in, in in their students in schools and so on, uh, medical rights, um,
3: access to students,
4: yeah, parents right. Parents access There's, to the students' health records, right. All that kind the, of thing. To mask or not mask, va- COVID uh, vacs the yeah. vax, all those things. So that's what we that's what we did. We do update it, and we will continue to update it. Even if there are no more installments, we will update it every year after the general assembly leaves. Uh, and uh, and make sure that when you click on that link, it has the freshest, most accurate uh, Indiana law in it. Which, first of all, just as, as a guy who deals with
0: political policy and education policy, I absolutely hate clicking on some kind of a link, whether it's with a school, a local school system, or whether it's a, even a federal uh, document, and it's the old version of the file. It's not up to date. It's not where you go for, for your information. It creates a lot of unnecessary chaos. So thank you for keeping it up to date. And I promise that is the most lame Luke Waters, journalist question that I'll I'll have, because that's a lame question, you know, like, oh, thanks for keeping it up to date. (laughs) That's kind of like a lukewarm question. So here's a harder one. Yeah. So number one in the Parental Bill of Rights says you have the right and expectation to question and address your child's school officials via letters, electronic communications and in-person meetings. You also have the right to attend publicly designated meetings with proper notice of the meetings provided. Here's why I bring this one up because I have been to eight school board meetings in the state of Indiana in the last year. And of those eight school board meetings in different districts, I have uh, heard about five or six times a school board member stop a parent in the middle of public comment and testimony and say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't mention the name of a teacher in your public comment. You can't mention a school. You can't address school board members directly. You just have to air your grievance. I saw Mike Hanna make this statement at South Madison uh, School Corporation. I have that on video as well as districts ranging from Shenandoah down to Martinsville, Evansville up to Fort Wayne. Mm -hmm. So is this something that school boards can tell you? Are you allowed to say you can't talk about a
4: specific stat? No, you have a right to free speech. You have a right to in in all this, there's a statute that says you can address the school board. There's nothing in that statute or any others that, that I'm aware of that prohibit you from mentioning somebody—it's unproductive not to, uh, you know, to be disparaging or something like right. that. It'll and you, you could look and, and you could open yourself up to some private claims of defamation. Uh, but when you're talking about a public employee, whether elected whether they're elected or not, that are paid for by tax uh, by your tax dollars, referencing a person by name so that everyone understands what. It helps everyone understand what the situation is. Hey, it's Mrs. X in third grade class, or you know, right. That that's helpful identifying information. Um, it's never it, again. It's unproductive if you're defaming somebody and can get you into legal trouble. But simply having a professional uh, conversation with your school board by mentioning particularities should be encouraged, not discouraged.
3: And and do do teachers? And by the way, the majority of the teachers that I've dealt with in my life have been uh, amazing. I'm mm-hmm. very lucky to go into the school system that I do. You know, I live in Boone County up in Zionsville. Um, but are there some... Administ- did you have conversations with administrators or teachers about this per- parents' Bill of Rights at all? And did um, you have a negative, any negative reactions
4: or any sort of... I've had a lot of negative public reaction that I've you gotten third-hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> from, um, and But to be fair to your question, no. I didn't talk to many, a few, but not many. I can't say I talked to many administrators. I talked to a lot of parents. That's uh, what we're doing. A, here, yeah, I mean, Silla, right, yes, yeah. You know, uh, and and you know I don't know if there's another attorney general really in the nation right now that that's have the, that has that particular background I do in K through twelve education. So I bring maybe something more unique to this and it's been shocking to people as a result. Well the attorney general doesn't do this. Well, I don't know, this one does. You know, something I've heard
0: is a common criticism of you. By the way, we're on with Attorney General uh, Todd Rikita. We're talking about his new Parental Bill of Rights edition. And this is something that I've heard a lot in criticism of you. Well, most attorney generals, they, they just do this. How, how could you possibly, you know, start talking about this, that, and the other? But in looking at the Parents' Bill of Rights, you are simply outlining, elucidating, if you will, what it is that parents should know because, as we all, those who are listening, know that kind of leaving education alone in the last 60 years has not yeah. helped America. Right. When, you, when you treat you know education as just some apathetic thing you don't care about, it runs on autopilot, this is the junk you get. And this is simply an informational piece that lets parents know what is
4: and isn't true in regards right. to their legal rights, which that is your purview right. as Attorney General. So, when you get in front of that school board, again, you have the confidence to know, hey, I, I read this in this document. It's accurate information. And by the way, this is not Todd's opinion. This is Indiana law. And, and, and it's also what Indiana law is not, and so you know uh, where the boundaries are. There's also a little bit of a legend to this. Um, Ooh, a legend. Th- well, not that kind of legend, but <laughs> oh. you know, a, a key. <laughs> like if you see bold or underlined uh, text in this document, that, as it, it's as noted at the bottom of some of the pages, is meant to show you that in answering uh, your particular uh, the particular question, we got most of these 151 questions from parents. Uh, we filled in some of the other ones, but um, uh, like for the, for example, go to page 29, are CT, CRT, CGT, or other controversial theories allowed to be taught through SEL? So, we got all these acronyms here, we go through them, but then we underline the last sentence, which says, if parents believe that the Employability standards include CRT. They have the right to petition the the, inter, the Indiana General Assembly to correct this practice mm. under the SEL statute. So, what all that means, if it's underlined, is that Indiana law doesn't address that part of the person's question. And you could go and petition. You can go uh, seek out your legislators and make a change. So, what this is, Tony, it's a map it's a roadmap for filling in some of the gaps uh, and that we have under Indiana law. I am not a lawmaker. I don't make the laws. Which is
0: why you direct people if they want different to talk to their, their
4: legislation. Right.
3: Yeah. So, this, this this book, this Parents' Bill of Rights, is for parents that want to be more involved yep. in their child's education, know what to ask at these school board meetings, know what's lawful and unlawful, where can people uh, find... I think mean, you get a physical yep. copy right there.
4: Or the, I do, and it's... Uh, it's The link's better. Again, it's 108 pages, so you want the link. Uh, Just go to our website, Indiana Attorney General. Just Google that, and it'll get you there. Put in Parents' Bill of Rights if you're feeling adventurous. And not only does it tell you what to do before your school board, it tells you, wait for it, how to run for school board <laughs> Ah, the old tax key <laughs> component point. too if you want to get involved yeah. if
3: you want to make a change you might have to do it yourself very interesting yeah. Attorney General Todd Rikita thank you for coming in and thanks for the uh, cigars man yeah, uh, absolutely we're going to turn the, the, uh, we're gonna turn the um, uh, cameras off and you're going to chug that beer and smash it over your head <laughs> I want to see you smash it on your head we'll be right back it's the Hammer and Nigel show dance, dance the night away.
4: you're listening to the Hammer and Nigel show
3: Tony Kennett's filling in for Hammer. My name is Nigel. Uh, I'm assuming you have no plans to go see Barbie. I've he, seen he, it. He, you did? Oh, you have for, seen for it. For my job. I saw Barbie and
0: Oppenheimer, and like at the same time that I saw Sound of Freedom, I've seen I've seen the three.
3: And, okay, so our co-host yesterday, Jerry Lopez. He's oh, Andy lo- Spanglish. Andy Spanglish yesterday eviscerated it. What did you think? And, and I'm going down a road here with this. There's a point why I'm asking you about this, but what what did you think? It's a cultural phenomenon. Uh, so, it's not a cultural phenomenon. No? I'm sorry, no,
0: I just, I, I don't. I it think It that... made a billion dollars in three weeks! Oh, okay, so wait, hold on. As far as... Like a cultural phenomenon in the terms of it sold a lot of movie tickets and a lot of people wanted to go and see it. Sure, but like seems the like movie, it's
3: a pop culture. It's, it seems like it's pretty, pretty relevant in pop culture.
0: Okay, yes, but it's a big movie, but a pop. I think of pop culture phenomenon meaning like it has changed the game in some way. It has, it has provided something new that's like really crucial, and I'm not really seeing that here. I think that people who are freaking out about it for good and for bad. Are, are just like way too into it. I think that it was just, just kind of an okay movie I don't know I thought there were some funny parts to it other parts were like really on the nose and annoying and that's like all movies today so I don't know did you go see
3: Oppenheimer better. the right way in the IMAX yes I did and uh, what did you think I thought it was good I thought it was a great movie I, again, I love of, Christopher Nolan the director
0: this is one of the best pieces that I think that he's done since the Dark Knight series wow. I really do I think
3: that it was very very well done there's so many movies out there I'm still I'm still dying to like my son wants me to take him to see Indiana Jones and that's still out there. I don't even know if that's still out in theaters. I not. saw it and hey, I You I, saw I, it? Uh, yeah, I I I have to kind of like stay relevant to culture just in case
0: I'm actually on air during these moments and someone asks. So I'm like expected <laughs> to stay up to like well, how was that? cuz I heard it was good. Okay, so here's the thing. A lot of people liked it and I didn't. I didn't. I didn't care for it. I thought that uh, a lot of the stuff they shoved into the movie was really, really unnecessary. Uh, I thought that it was a really I mean, yeah, and, you know, Harrison Ford is still Harrison Ford, and they didn't, like, destroy Harrison Ford's character. But, like, some of his sidekicks are just like, no one actually talks that way in public that actually does anything of relevance. Like, well, you guys, like, stole from the Dungeonauts pipe. Oh, my God. Like, so <laughs> oh, stop like you're working with an archaeologist like that's not
3: at all worthwhile that's so I mean, that, I, uh, that was some woke dialogue right there cuz that was in the, the moment, trailer jones the, did you stole from the indigenous population
0: jones did clap back and he actually had some phenomenal okay. moments and it proved that he was you know right near the end of the movie some really good stuff but i just again i didn't think it was as great as a lot of people made it out to be i think some people are just obsessed with their series and
3: have you seen the tom cruise uh, mission impossible no. see that yet. I'm dying. No. I'd probably, add all those I mentioned, I, I'd probably do that first before Oppenheimer. I have not seen a
0: new Mission Impossible since the one where they, like, scaled the tower in Dubai and dressed up as a Russian general. Like, yeah. That's the last one I saw, that
3: ghost. Yeah, protocol. No, I love, yeah, 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 yeah. I love Tom Cruise, so I can't wait to see that. Um, but the reason I ask you about Barbie is because it's sweeping the world in a huge way. Even in El Salvador, this funeral home is offering pink Barbie-themed coffins for for people who want to take okay, their obsession with the uh, hold, this pop hold, culture hold, sensation stop. to the afterlife. Stop. Each metal casket is decorated with the stars ca- and features lining and printed with pictures of Barbie. A casket. The owner says, "Quote: We have to jump on this trend, and it's been a success. They've sold a pink Barbie cat What? <laughs> They've sold." 10 of these coffins in El Salvador. Why?
0: Why there are some things that do not need to be branded. I've always said this. Like you'll <laughs> I mean, there's,
3: see like... There's kiss coffins I the mean, band I, Kiss sells Kiss themed coffins.
0: Well, not like the coffins, but you like I, I you see like just weird branding on items that really don't need to be branded. And I just I don't understand what people find attractive about that. I guess collectors, maybe? Like, would you are you gonna be so a Barbie coffin collector?
3: It, no, no. This is a ridiculous story. I couldn't imagine somebody, but they said they sold ten. So with about forty five seconds left, why do you think Barbie is is doing so well in theaters compared to you know the flash which bombed okay well number and one because Indiana all jones is modern superhero movies suck they do they're, they're they're not
0: any good ever like the last several superhero movies have been terrible uh and number two i, I would say that the reason that i don't care about barbie the reason that's doing swell so is because it is pretty decently funny and again it's a cultural it is a movie for suburban white women it is i heard this said <laughs> on the instagram the other day it's black panther for white women <laughs> Barbie is Black, <laughs> black Panther
3: for Panther white women. White, I don't even understand what that
0: means. So, so the, the reference was made uh, by by the, the comedian Lizelle, who brought out the point that Black Panther was a specifically targeted movie towards inner city Southern American black culture. That was that that was the argument that was made, and and Barbie is marketed toward the suburban class okay. woman. That's just and the marketing hit. Fair enough.
6: Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock.
3: It. My name is Nigel. Tony Kinnett, investigative journalist with the Daily Signal, filling in for Jason Hammer. Well, it's been two years now since Joe Biden's absolute debacle in Afghanistan. That's a, that's a nice way to phrase that. I, I really, yeah. I'm, I, 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 just every time I think about it, it infuriates me, it outrages me. I can imagine the Golden Star families who lost loved ones. And the th- thing is, it didn't need to happen that way. Joe Biden uh, ignored, I mean, he ignored the advice of his underlings, of his staff, of his military brass, and went ahead and did it anyway. Did the thing anyway. And not only did 13 service members lose their lives, but all the allies, all the Afghans that we left behind, the interpreters, the dogs. The, and not to mention the billions and billions and billions of military equipment. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I followed the account
0: of an individual who literally went down from the UK into Afghanistan and purchased uh, U.S. equipment from uh, the Taliban and just very major, incredibly worthwhile U.S. military equipment that we certainly couldn't have gotten out of the country. But, you know, Biden just left it there and, you know, not only wrote off all of that equipment, but wrote off the lives of 13 U.S. service members. And their families have to deal with that kind of grief. And again, by the way, You don't have to, as a president, be a military mastermind. So, we have this thing called a meritocracy. So, people who are good at the military should run the military. I know that's crazy, but like, I don't want my electrician giving me plumbing advice.
3: I just don't. Yeah. So, Biden used his own demented, uh, senile judgment and ignored the, the real people in charge.
0: Which is, you know, it's a day ending in Y for him. Only it costs the lives of our service members. And it, again, that's that's not something that, you know, we hear all these people saying, you know, oh, if it saves one life, they don't really seem too torn up yeah. about the, the service members that lose their lives when Biden makes
3: stupid decisions with the United States military and foreign interests. So there was a public forum in California Monday and to hear from Gold Star families who lost loved ones during this, you know, Biden's botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. Right. Escondido, uh, I believe, is the town mayor. Um the the mayor from Escondido hosted the forum. The fallen were all stationed there at Camp Pendleton. Mm-hmm. So the testimony this is tough. There was this one mom there, Cheryl Rex. Now this is a 60 second clip. I don't normally like to play this long of a clip, but she lost her son. She told a story that was just absolutely outrageous and um and infuriating. Listen to this. Hammer and Nigel. <laughs>
1: when joe biden our elected president entered the room when he approached me his words to me were my w- my wife jill and i know how you feel we lost our son as well and brought him home in a fog draped coffin my heart started beating faster and i started shaking knowing that their son died from cancer and they were able to be by his side also wondering how someone could honestly sorry be so heartless to say he knew how i felt a little over 24 hours and learning of my son's death after this encounter i have never had any personal correspondence nor has my son been honored or his name spoken by this commander-in-chief or his administration and what I feel is because of their failures and poor planning to exit our troops from Afghanistan.
3: Powerful testimony right there. Her son, by the way, that she lost, Lance Corporal Dylan Marola. What do you think when you hear something like that, Tony? I mean, I'm I'm
0: incredibly upset. It's ridiculous that the commander in chief. First of all, I I believe that he was told exactly what to say going into that kind of a meeting. They said, "Look, just say this line. You know, say that your little thing about you know the son who died from cancer, and then it'll all go home." Because again, as we have shown, that as soon as 12:30 p.m. rolls by, President Biden loses the ability to use complete sentences, and this is a documented thing. You know, again, as you look at dementia patients, the, the further they go into the day, the harder it is for their brain to reach. Task syntax. So that's the first thing. Number two, this is not as though I, uh, who who may you know, if, if I had a child who I had lost in as you know as a, a veteran who had perished overseas, and I was talking to another Gold Star parent, and I shared my story. That's totally different. Yeah. This is the man who yeah. was ultimately responsible for her son's death. You're the commanding officer. You shouldn't be trying to pass off. Oh well, you know, I know how you feel. no, 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 no. no. You are ultimately responsible. You should have incredible grief. The only words that should come out of your mouth were, I'm sorry, your nation, our nation, is incredibly proud of the sacrifice that your son made. That's all he should have said. And
3: how then, dare he? And, uh, and how dare he say, how dare Biden say, uh, I've heard him say that withdrawal was, quote, successful. How insulting and outraged do you have to be if you're a Gold Star family? You know, and I so
0: I, I rarely ever do this. I rarely do this because I'm not a super huge Trump fan. But I'm going to make a comparison here that I think is crucial. Trump and Biden would have handled the Afghanistan pullout differently because Trump would have said to the Taliban, "Listen here, if you don't let everyone out of this country unharmed, he will nuke half the country." That is what he would have said to them over the phone. And then they would have said, "I don't believe you," and he would have sent them pictures of rockets pointed towards Afghanistan. And you know what? Shockingly, we would have been able to leave completely unscathed. And he did have a plan. Yeah. Well, Biden's like, oh, we're just going to leave and just do whatever. And so you have people chasing after the, the C-17 as it's flying off, like it's the last helicopter out of Saigon. I mean, it an absolute disaster. And, and, and him bragging
3: about the success on the graves of 13 yeah. U.S. service yeah, members? Awful. The bastard. It's disgusting. And then the moment he was caught on video checking his watch, well, at least three times, when he attended, you know, he attended the, the dignified transfer there at uh, at Dover Air Force Base. That really put it over the edge for me. I don't
0: understand that, that. I don't understand anyone who who ticks their watch at times like that. What do you have to have on your mind that that doesn't captivate? It you? wasn't that. Have you ever seen those videos yeah. or, or of uh, prisoners of war being brought home and, and things? You know, like that. They're captivating because you can feel the emotion mm-hmm. through the screen. I mean, why you? You're again. You are ultimately responsible for those that are coming home in these caskets, and yet you're worried
3: about where you're going next? Are you serious? Come on! Get this guy out of office, please. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Trump. I don't care if it's DeSantis. I don't care if it's I'll
0: go one further. I don't care, and and I hear people from this say, well, no, we don't want Biden to step down or resign or or whatever, because then we'd have Kamala. I would rather have someone in the White House who is completely cognizant of the garbage they are doing than this tottering, dementia-ridden old man who is making a mockery of our fallen soldiers. And Now, look, I, Kamala probably wouldn't be any better, but at least then we wouldn't be able to blame it on the dementia of this tottering
3: old fool. I don't know who they'd get. I mean, Gavin Newsom... Is well, I, I like, mean, I mean, before term, I honestly sure.
0: don't expect Biden to last the end of the calendar year. And yeah, I'm, that's I'm, what I'm saying. You know, just uh, horrible. They, they have to have a plan in place already. The I, Democrats, I'm, right? I mean, I'm, I'm. The prediction is, if it's not Biden, it's Newsom. I guarantee. You, take it to the bank. It will be Newsom, I, I, barring some dark horse candidate no one's talking I, about right now. Don't
3: you love the idea of DeSantis in? Newsome having a debate as if they're already the nominees, just ignoring everybody else, including Trump. Forget about all these other people. We'll step up here and have a
0: debate. Well, so so there's <laughs> a there's a reason why that this debate is drawing as much conversation as it is, because California and future or excuse me, California and Florida are the two different futures to the country. If the country either becomes more like Florida or it becomes more like California, there's no either or. The establishment parties of of Democrat and Republican are dying. They are I mean literally they're dying because they're old. But they're also dying because they're completely out of touch. Like, in, go ask an average Indiana Republican what they think of the Chamber of Commerce and tell me how many middle fingers you <laughs> receive. So that's dying away. Trump and Biden are both revenge stories. They both are. All they have left is their revenge. That is. And, and some people really love Trump because he's a revenge story on the left. And a lot of people like Biden because he's dark brand and he's a revenge story against Trump. Trump, when he first launched his campaign for this presidential run, talked about for like five minutes about where the U.S. could go. He talked about sending a manned mission to Mars. He talked about making us energy independent again. And since that point, he has never talked about future policy proposals that are not revenge-based again, period. His website may say whatever, but when he's on the campaign trail, he's either talking about himself, Biden, or DeSantis. That's it. That's why people like Newsom and DeSantis, because they're talking about the future of the country. Or, t-
3: or, or putting out on truth. Social that Nancy Pelosi's going to hell.
0: Which, you know, Did I you mean, see? fine. Yeah, okay, you're saying something that 150 million people in the country are saying. Okay, sure. Right. Which right, is, right. I, that's fine. And I'm not even going to make the case, well, that's not presidential. No, that's silly. The US, no, no one in the U.S. has like ever really been presidential. But as far as him saying that, I don't care as much. But I think that it's, again, he's not spending his time talking about the U.S. is great because of where right. we can go. Yep.
3: Coming up a little bit after five thirty, Tuesdays with Tony Katz. My name is Nigel. Tony Kennett is here filling in for Jason Hammer. Uh, do you wanna do you wanna set up this uh, clip we're about to listen to from MSNBC and Al Sharpton? <laughs>
0: I, I mean I it, it so so Al Sharpton who's known to be just a phenomenal historian and race rioter the man has incited more riots against specific ethnic groups uh, then honestly he's probably top 10 in history for getting out there and was like hey this is the color you should hate today but he was talking about how evil people are that are libertarians and, and individuals who think that the individual holds rights over the government and uh, he decides to tell us a little bit of history uh-huh. about Jefferson and uh, Madison okay. so yeah yeah. Take a listen to this. One
2: day, our children's children will read American history. And can you imagine our reading that James Madison or Je- Thomas Jefferson tried to overthrow the government <laughs> so they could stay in power? That's what we're looking at. We're looking at American history.
3: Boy, he is a man of history, isn't he? Yeah, I can't, Madison, I can't imagine. Madison. <laughs> can
0: you imagine and if, Jefferson, <laughs> can you imagine if the signers of the Declaration of Independence would have signed the Declaration of Independence? So, I I, I also. So by I, the way,
3: just so everybody knows, those two were key figures in the American Revolution against the British rule.
0: Yeah. Right? If, you, if you don't know that James Madison and Thomas Jefferson were two of the founding fathers who uh, were, were in agreement with Ben Franklin that either, you know, we'll, we'll hang together or we'll hang separately uh, for their treason, then, then go ahead and get a hold of me. I have a couple of history courses I can sign you up for. We'll, we'll get that fixed. But Al Sharpton, my goodness, people are so desperate, so desperate to say that like Donald Trump That's what and this is MAGA about, Republicans. Right? Yeah. yeah, they're saying all oh, the January 6th people. They were trying to overthrow the government. They're overthrowing the government. Okay, I I I don't know if you know this, Nigel, but usually, let's say you're going to overthrow a government. Like you're going to teach a class. Here's how to overthrow a government. Yeah. Leaving your guns at home probably not one of the steps. <laughs> um, you, I mean even in like Beauty of the Beast or Beauty and the Beast, right? You have like the angry mob going to the Beast. They had what pitchforks? Sure. Porches, yeah. You know, standard mob fare. You think if you're going to overthrow a government, I mean, hey, the, the rioters, the mobsters in New York City, they, at least they, sure. they bring out their bats to smack yeah. cars with. I mean, you know, BLM, they set Minneapolis on fire. Nobody was setting things on fire with January
3: 6th. Seems like, kind of insurrection-y to me when you try to take over a state
0: oh, I, building hold like, on. during a riot. Hold on now, uh, hold on. I have been informed by the mayor of Chicago that uh, we're supposed to call those large gatherings.
3: <laughs> the current. Current mayor, yeah, the yeah, one, the one. The, the one that's incomprehensibly worse than uh, Lori Lightfoot. Yeah, Lori Lightfoot, part two, electric <laughs> boogaloo. That that's the guy. Again, I, it, it's just such a
0: double standard.
3: I mean, the guy. So you're telling me the guy that had his feet propped up on Pelosi's desk was going to take over and try to. That's was, true. Yeah, one day you list. were going
0: to look in your hand and it was going to be Washington face on the quarter. You were going to pick it up again the next day and it was going to be the Buffalo
3: Shaman. Would the, been yeah, be on the, the U.S. The, quarter. The Chewbacca guy with the Viking hat. The ultimate the, plan for fascism, I've been told. <laughs> let me, let me just let me play the audio of Al Sharpton one more time and then I'll read some comments because he's, he's just completely. Oh, that's where the money is yeah. is the comments. One
2: day, our children's children will read American history. And can you imagine our reading that James Madison or Thomas Jefferson tried to overthrow the government so they could stay in power? That's what we're looking at. We're looking at American
3: history. So again, he's just getting uh, just just ridiculed, just embarrassed on social media. Due again to the fact that both those guys he was talking about were key figures in the American Revolution against British rule. Uh, The comments here. Here's one quote. It always amuses me when Democrats praise slave owners. It's just an added bonus that these guys actually did overthrow a government they didn't like. I mean, goodness gracious! I, I'm just
0: keep going. You have to read more comments. One I'm gonna, more.
3: I'm I just got. I just got one more here for you. The um, this was from the uh, Federalist's editor in chief, Molly Hemingway. Quote: Wait until MSNBC learns about the founding of the country. I'm not sure what's better, that he said this or that MSNBC decided to highlight it for their Twitter followers. <laughs> I mean, I. I They're honestly, the ones that put that clip out here. I,
0: I got to tell you, there, there's one <laughs> other thing that I really love. Play the beginning of the clip again for me, just the beginning here. One day, our children's children will read American history. Stop. Uh, wait a minute. All right, first of all, no one in Al Sharpton's home region in those public schools can read. Like those public schools, oh, man. none of those yeah. students can read. It's like 10% reading on grade level. Wow. So, assuming that they're reading American history, first of all, it's just impressive. Number two, I thought American history was incredibly systemically evil and racist and white supremacist. Sure. So, why yeah. would you force children <laughs> to read this racist
3: diatribe? My God, you horrible racist white supremacist. I got bad news here for you, Tony. You um, always do. The student loan repayments are resuming in October. Oh, man. So I know you've been living off uh, the government tip in terms of college debt, haven't you? No. I, oh I no! Mean, oh, really? I, uh, oh, oh, wait a minute. You. Hold on, you were responsible? Hold on. You know, there's this uh,
0: there's so there's this this place in uh, Spiceland, Indiana. It's yeah. near Ice Town, it's called Draper. And uh, so what I did to not have college debt was I, I worked my tail off at this place called Draper, is this this factory in Spiceland, and I, I worked while I was on campus because I didn't think that it was appropriate for me to mooch. Um, and a lot of people have student loans and, and have them for good reasons, but a lot of those people have either already paid their loans back or have been paying their loans back, not just like squeaking buy on the minimum and just like paying Mm. off the interest. Yeah. So, I mean, you know,
3: hey, pay back the loan that you took. Interests starting to accrue again beginning in September. The Supreme Court, of course, struck down Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. Joe Biden knew it was illegal. Um, by the way he knew that would happen oh yeah i mean, going into I mean there there was, are white house that memos that
0: suggested that he knew that very directly the president does not have the power to financially
3: intervene but there is good news uh, president biden has introduced what he calls an on-ramp program oh. when the student loan repayments resume in october the on-ramp program it lasts for one year and borrowers they are not going to be penalized for missed partial or Late payments. So basically he's still got another year. So yeah, as I'm ready to say, he's he's <laughs> doing the he's doing the thing that, that
0: Democrats love to do when there's a law that they don't like. They'll just they just won't enforce it. Oh yeah, you're doing this, but we're not gonna, you know, send anybody out to make sure that you pay the debt. We'll just yeah. go ahead and push that back. It's not like the U.S. is in a precipitous financial position <laughs> and our credit rating is falling apart as we
3: speak. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel show. Hey Tony! boy, Tony.
5: It's Tuesday with Tony Cass on The Hammer and Nigel
3: Show. Don't want to keep Tony waiting. My name is Nigel, Tony Kinnett, right over there, filling in for one Mr. Jason Hammer. And we are hooking up live with Tony Katz, Tuesdays with Tony. All right, TK, Uh, Mike Pence limping to the debate stage. Does this do anything for you? Does he have a chance? Your thoughts? Well, I don't think he has a chance based on Trump's numbers
2: still. I mean, there isn't polling yet that shows that his numbers have cratered because of the January 6th. Indictment, uh, but limping to the debate stage or not, it's about making the debate stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if you know everything in politics is an expectations game, and if the expectation was nobody was interested in Mike Pence, forty thousand people gave that guy at least a dollar, right? And that in and of itself is a, a, a pretty big story. So he gets to be on the stage. He gets to make his case for the evangelical base that he desperately needs in order to to have any type of momentum. No, I don't think it helps in, in the in the longer stretch. Uh, he's got to hope that uh, somehow uh, there is this moment of, uh, in, if you will, enlightenment from the Republican Party that says, wait, we can't nominate Trump. That guy's going to get destroyed in a general, which the, the, the Trump supporter does not feel in any way, shape or form. So where's his where's his place? Even DeSantis can't do it. You want to talk about a campaign uh, that is limp? Um, they're, they're the ones doing it. So, yes, uh, limping in. No, he's in. And that's his story. I just don't think he gets to turn that and translate that into something else even greater. So, let's talk about what is turned and translated
0: out of that debate. Because what I'm going to be watching is for the kind of 2016 chaos where people are trying to slap at each other. And, obviously, if Trump's not going to be there, then it's just going to be a bunch of candidates trying to say, you know, here's why I'm better than you. And here's why we should be going in this way. Do you see pen? Actually, kind of ripping off the shirt, muscles rippling and punching everyone on stage. Oh
3: my! I mean, yes. I,
0: I mean, I mean, you know, is he just going to go all like Hulk Hogan on these dudes? That's what are you how I see it, him?
2: Tony Kinnett. I see Pence ripping off his shirt, <laughs> muscles rippling. You might as well have started this segment with "Dear Penthouse Forum."
0: Um, just trying to paint a word picture for the listeners. <laughs> oh, you know? is that what you did?
2: Is he painted a word picture? Honestly, you could have painted that on velvet. <laughs> uh, uh, did you, your your question, though, I think, is the million dollar one. Um, Pence is not in the business of going after anybody. Pence is going to continue uh, to make his case about why he is a better choice for America than Trump going forward. Tie yourself to what happened with policy, yet don't tie yourself to the guy. It's a difficult maneuver. If I think people are going to be punching, uh, it, it's you know, it's it's not even going to be the Tim. Got Nikki Haley's because it doesn't pay, it. that's not really their style, though. Haley right. might punch at DeSantis because it happened before. She'll try. Um, Trump is the guy you're talking about. But I wouldn't I wouldn't bring him up. If I'm advising on this debate, you are putting yourself as the guy to go against Joe Biden. Trump's not there. Trump doesn't count. Out of sight, out of mind. Don't bring him up. Don't make him the story. No matter what they ask. It's about Joe Biden's failed policies and
3: why you'll do better. One more thing, and then I and then we'll turn our attention to Ron DeSantis. You mentioned his campaign. But is there like when Trump first announced he was running in 2015, he was like at one percent. He was the dark horse. Nobody even gave him. He was laughed at. And then he ended up winning the whole thing. Is, is there any possibility of the same thing happening with one of these other candidates? Or because of Donald Trump and his huge poll numbers, is that just there's no chance of that happening this time and getting that well, nomination?
2: I, I would say to you that the difference between where Trump was and DeSantis is that Trump, while he may have had huge name ID for, being Donald Trump, he didn't have the luxury of being a very successful governor. Mm. Everything DeSantis did at governor should have him at 400 points and it all cratered. You talk to the guys in Iowa, DeSantis who? Ground game what? Oh sure, they got people knocking on doors. Sure, the Never Back Down Pack has put serious money into training people to knock on doors. Where's the movement? This guy was at 30 points before he entered the race in April and the last poll uh, I should say, yeah, national, nationally is like at 15. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. This is, an, this is a massive failure of a campaign. So they engage the reboot. Now what does the reboot bring you? If the reboot doesn't bring you 10 points after Trump is indicted regarding January 6th, well then I'm not quite sure what does. The road is long. There's a lot of, uh, of campaigning left to do and a lot of twists and turns, but if DeSantis doesn't have some breakout movement in the next couple weeks, he has not. He won't get any. And the only thing that's interesting is that the latest Iowa poll has him at 20 instead of 15. And maybe it's a blip, or maybe it's
0: hope. Well, this is the question that I keep coming back to because it looks like, unlike you know what Nigel you mentioned earlier, was that you had all these like candidates and then Trump came in as the dark horse. It seems like the Trump block now is desperately immovable. So it doesn't matter what happens next week, Trump is going to retain that base, and the question is to whether that's a sizable enough base to bring him through the the primary, and a lot of people are saying, yeah. So, the question is here, do you actually see DeSantis picking up the rest of the, the scraps that Trump is not going to be able to pull, or do you actually see one of these candidates pulling away Trump people? Like, Is there anything Trump can do that will knock that base away from him?
2: Uh, Trump could uh, tell you about how Hillary Clinton was always terrific and he really feels bad for treating her so nastily. (laughs) Right? What could Trump do to get an idolater not to be an idol worshiper? I have no idea. Break the idol. And he's not going to do that. Um, So uh, I I am very much bothered by the people who... Would be with Trump even if he were not to get the nomination. Right. I'm, a, I'm making the argument that I'm concerned about his ability to win a general. And this is not 2020. Uh, and it, it, it's tougher, not easier, even though I can show you states where the spread is only 20,000 votes, 10,000 votes. The possibility exists. It's just a tougher road because, well, he's made it tougher. And yes, media has made it tougher. It's not fair. Yet it's reality. So I, I believe we should discuss reality. But if Trump Trump wasn't the nominee, and the Trump people, Trump supporters are like, I don't care, I'm voting for him anyway, or I'm not voting for anyone, and they're willing to lose just to prove their point, well, then they're no better than David French and Jonah Goldberg and Bill Kristol. None. They're just like never-Trumpers.
3: Only Trumpers, never-Trumpers, it's the same torture. Related to what you were just talking about, um, should Trump do the debate? He's been toying with it. He's been toying with maybe doing something think with Tucker Carlson at the same moment the debate is going on, on August 23rd that that date is creeping up on us here do you think it's a good idea that Trump should be on that debate stage uh, I don't get me wrong. I'd like to
2: see him yes. on the debate stage. Right. I can 50 50 the thing. I could see where uh, if you don't show up, uh, people call you a coward every four seconds. Um, uh, people get, you know, uh, emboldened to turn to, on Trump supporters and say, you worthless coward, no low life. So and so he doesn't show up for a debate. He doesn't care. He thinks we owe it to him. We're the people who have to vote for him. We're the ones who matter. The other side of it is, I'm up by 40 points, and what's the point of showing up to a place where everyone's just going to attack you? Forget it. Go do something else and work around these people, just like you did when it came to the Iowa caucuses in 2016. Change the tactics, because you require different tactics than other
3: people utilize. Tuesdays with Tony Katz here, the Hammer and Nigel show. Tony Kennett is filling in for Hammer. I heard you mention briefly uh, in the hallways earlier during your show, somebody named... Stacia Murphy from the Indy Chamber, and and then something about the you know they're starting this this business equity initiative. In right, Indy. right, right, I I right. It was on
2: Inside Indiana Business. Um, and uh, my my argument, I, I don't know uh, Stacia Murphy. Uh, my argument is is that anything that promotes uh, DEI is the promotion of bigotry, and we should be opposed to this. So Stacia Murphy is the senior vice president of enterprise. Development at the Indy Chamber, and uh, they've launched this this uh, program. And it's free, designed to advance racial equity, as as Gary Dick uh, writes it, among businesses in Central Indiana. Um, this is, to me, a, a specific uh, issue because we've seen DEI in the schools and we've seen the bigotry that it, that it foments. We know the stories. We know how it connects to uh, other levels of attack in business. We have this Canadian principal who committed suicide after being yeah. ridiculed for asking questions uh, that were in a, a training. And you have this DEI officer, this trainer, laughing at him. You don't understand. He's an example of your white fragility and all this, this unbelievably hateful, hateful stuff. Um, And this took place. And her line is, the quote was, we know when there is more diversity and there is more inclusion and belonging within these places to work, that they tend to do better because they are employing and drawing from the perspectives of the entire community they serve. Well, I have a lot of issues with this specifically. how do you know that? (laughs) uh, Right. Sources do trust me. The key question is, where's your data? Yes. Show me. That's what I'm asking. And when you talk about the community I serve, it's the business we're growing. It might not have anything to do with the community that I'm in. I'm not saying it shouldn't be a bad community partner. I'm saying that the community is not what it's about. It's about the business. So this is a very, very um, Marxist, uh, leftist, progressive kind of talking point that somehow the business is there to serve the community. Oh, no, 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 no. The business is there to serve the business and to serve the customer. And by definition, the community doesn't. Is better because the business grows. You can make that argument. I'm not there to serve the community. Oh, but, but more importantly, where's the data that proves this true? I'd love to see it.
0: Oh, come on, Tony. Don't you know that like if we don't rush in and, and, and buy into all of the diversity and equity and inclusion, then the Democrats will run attack ads and, and someone might start a Twitter campaign to cancel my uh, nameless corporation? I mean, we have to do this as moderate Republicans, Tony. We have to buy into equity. Um, no.
2: No. Uh, that's, that's exactly it. If I learned anything from Dave Chappelle, it's that, no, yeah. no, we don't. No, no, we don't. We don't have to buy into any of it. Uh, as a guy who has spent my time in in the barrel, um, it doesn't matter what they say on Twitter. I, ignore them, and they go on to the next thing, because they always go on to the next thing. So you don't have to, to do that. I would like an answer to my question here. I would like to know why the Central Indiana Corporate Partnership is involved in Something like this. I want to know what they mean by an inclusive business climate, and I want to know if it includes people who
3: are politically conservative. Uh, did I hear that you were thinking about moving? Like you were thinking about buying a, a, a new house? I, I, we, we looked, we looked at really? a very,
2: very cool house. Very, like, yeah, this would have, this would have
3: worked stylistically. This would have worked land-wise. This was, this was, I mean, nice. I, look, I've seen. Pictures of you in your posh Carmel establishments. I have never been there, but you were looking for an upgrade, but you decided not to. Why? Seven percent interest? Oh, (laughs) ridiculous! Seven percent interest. And
2: now, you know, you know. I mean, you guys do these numbers all the time. Historically, that's the average. Historically, in the U.S., seven percent is not bad. I think when my parents bought their home in Middletown, New Jersey, I think it was thirteen point nine percent, which is criminally insane how big that mortgage uh, uh, interest uh, payment was, and in, or, or interest rate was. 7% is not the end of the world. But when I looked at what that was, and I asked myself, well, let's say I buy it now. I can refinance in three years, yeah. and so, okay. And so I started calling around, asking the people I know, like, and trust, and they said what I knew in my head. What makes you think the interest rates are going to be better in three years? What makes right. you believe that to a level of certitude? Do you know who's going to win this election? What if Biden wins re-election? You're going to see more spending. You're going to see more inflation. Why would anything go down? And that's when I looked at that 7% number and said, I cannot rationalize it for the for the price of the home and everything else. i got to let it go. i got to live easy, uh, and that's going to treat me better in the long run. And that's what I'm betting on. What's uh, coming up on your shows tomorrow, Tony? That's a great question. I'm glad that you asked. There is an electric <laughs> bus company called Proterra, and uh, Joe Biden has talked about this company. Yeah. Such a great company and so important to have electric vehicles, they file, filed for uh, Chapter 11 bankruptcy. <laughs> oh, what
3: a surprise. <laughs> Tony Katz, 6 to 9, then noon to 3, Monday through Friday, right here on 93 WIBC. Tony, thank you. Always. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.